Welcome to this podcast from Field Partner International. This is one of a series of interviews posted on our website and YouTube channel, where we will hear from experienced missionaries sharing stories and insights from their journeys. We are an online community and resource for Christian missionaries working across cultures. You can visit our website, fieldpartner.org, which features free video courses, blogs, podcasts, sermons, and more. Subscribe to this channel, our YouTube channel, or Facebook page to stay updated on our latest resources. Hi, everyone. I'm Christine Patterson, lifelong cross-cultural missions worker and trainer. I'd like to welcome you today to this interview with Grant and Jean from South Africa. Grant and Jean are old friends, and we have one thing specific in common, which is as two families, we each have five kids, the youngest of whom are twins, who we, to in part anyway, have raised cross-culturally. And this is actually part of the story of how we met. I'm really grateful that they're joining me for this interview today. Um, Grant and Jean, welcome. Hi. Thanks for joining yeah, us. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks. Okay, so let's start at the beginning. Let's start about where you um, each were raised and uh, what you were doing before you met, how you met, and then specifically how you felt called to work in China. Okay, yeah. Uh, I was raised largely in a coastal town in South Africa, East London, and then went to study in Cape Town for four years. And I would say that it was at university that I first I realized I had a call to missions. Um, a, a visiting speaker came to one of our meetings and she had a prophetic word for me. She said that I had nations on my heart. And that was a very a significant word. And before that, I hadn't thought of missions at all. And I, and I was just planning to be a music teacher and stay in South Africa and lead a pretty ordinary life. But when that prophetic word came, I realized that God saw my life differently and he had bigger plans for me than I realized. Right. So yeah, um, that was the start of it. And then uh, I went back to East London and started teaching music in my hometown. And it, at that time, I was part of a young leaders training group. And the one evening we were all praying together for our leaders who were in uh, China at the time doing a short trip. Mm -hmm. And as we were interceding for our leaders, uh, one of the girls had another prophetic word. And she said that, God had a big burden for the lost of China. And he was asking people in the prayer meeting, are you willing for me to share part of this burden with you? Mm. Um, she said the people are in extreme darkness. They are in chains and they are uh, oppressed. And uh, God was just asking, is anyone willing for part of this burden? And I was in the meeting and I just said to the Lord, yes, I'm willing. Um, and I really didn't realize that he would take my take me so seriously because when I said yes, it was as if something hit me in my heart and I just felt part of that burden for China and my life has never been the same since. Wow. <laughs> How about you, Grant? Is it as dramatic for you? <laughs> well, actually, when I was a teenager growing up in East London, South Africa, um, our family were actually part of the Mormon church for many years. and. Until I was about um, 16, 17, the, the Mormon church was actually preparing me to become a missionary for them. And, and so they were, they were actually asking me, are you prepared to go for two years and serve, serve the church, going door to door already? And um, I, I just wasn't 100% sure if that was for me, especially because I just had like a lack of assurance that 
uh, what I was believing was 100% true. And, and so I was praying at that time, I was 16, 17, in grade 12, and just saying, God, please confirm that this is the right belief or church that you've got me in. Um, because I want to be sure when I go door to door speaking to people about this faith that, that I'm 100% convinced, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so in my final year at school, my, my school teacher really challenged me on what I was believing and, and ultimately led me to the Lord in my final year. And I joined, um, he, he actually took me to his church, um, my high school teacher, and there was really like a revival breaking out in that church. That was a real contrast from having grown up in the Mormon church. Um, and from that church, I was quite exposed to missions and just the move of the spirit. Um, but I think what, what really got me interested in missions was just reading biographies about just great missionaries from 100, 200 years ago, um, and especially um, James Hudson Taylor. Um, his, his full biography, I started reading at about that time. And then also Jackie Pullinger's book, the, um, Chasing, the Chasing the Dragon, really, really impacted my life. I think I was a young guy, and I thought, you know, following Jesus, it kind of just seemed a bit boring in some ways. Just, you know, um, I was studying at the time, but just going to church every Sunday. And I felt like I was looking for something more exciting. And when I was reading these books, like um, Jackie Pullinger's Life, Hudson Taylor, um, James O'Fraser working in Yunnan, China, and then especially George Mueller as well, and the German moving to um, Bristol, England, serving God there, just living very radical lives, exciting, adventurous lives, um, you know, taking huge risks for God. Something inside of me just sort of jumping up and saying, like, I want to live a life like that. I want my life to count. I want my life to have purpose and meaning. And I can't just like, because God really radically transformed my life. And and, and, and so I couldn't just like, just live a boring life, but I, I, um, you, you know, just go to work every day and come back. I felt like God had taken hold of me for something greater than that, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so our pastor back then was, was actually doing trips into China once a year and then taking his video camera with and, and then would spend like a whole evening just showing us footage of what God was doing in China. And really, really, um, all of us were just really captivated by these video clips of just the Holy Spirit moving in meetings very, very powerfully. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, for us, both Gene and I, and just for the whole church, we were really excited about um, what God was doing in China. So that's really how we got excited both for missions and also for China. That's great. So then the two of you um, met in that youth group then, and is that how you um, got together? <laughs> Yeah, so when I came back from university, at those four years that I'd been away, Grant had got saved and joined the church. So when I came back, he was on ushering duty and he welcomed me back into the church. And I laughed at him because I'd been part of that church for my whole life. And he was the newcomer, not me. <laughs> but anyway, it was funny. And then we were put into a small group, midweek meeting group. And um, we slowly got to know each other there. And I think we both noticed that both of us felt called to go somewhere. You know, we, we, we realized that we had a similar heart in that area. And um, so, yeah, so a few years after that, we, we got married in 99. But we always knew that God had put this similar desire on our hearts. Mm, to go. So how long was it before you actually went? Well, we actually had a big, so we, so we got married in 99 and we actually put a big map on our wall and we would, look at it, you know, a couple of times in the week and just be praying and saying, God, where do you want to place us? Mm 
Mm. So I recall that, you know, right from the beginning of our marriage, we, we felt called to go. We just weren't sure exactly where it was. Right. Okay. Right. So then you landed up in China. We, we met, um, let me just say this quickly. We met on a, um, an island when um, Grant and Jean had just discovered that they were expecting twins. And so we had an immediate um, rapport, but they weren't initially working with us in China. So um, I just want to ask about the group that you did go with. Did they give you any training? Did they give you orientation? Um, how was your adaptation to China? Uh, it's pretty interesting because actually the cross-cultural work started for us first in South Africa. So about two years after we married, we were planted out into a township church in South Africa, the Montclair Township. And then it was the township church that actually sent us to China. <laughs> because, yeah, they supported us monthly for one year. They sent money through to us, which was amazing. Yeah. But, um, yeah, what happened was while we were doing the church plant, a year or two or three into it, our, the leader of the main church came to us, approached us, and asked us to go to China for a year to help on a project in China. So initially, we were asked to go there, which was very interesting. It wasn't us saying, oh, we need to go, we want to go. But our church leader said, please, will you go and fill a gap on a certain training just project? For year, just for one year. And so that was when Catherine and David were, were two years old and four years old. That was in 2006. So it was about seven years after we married that we first went across to China. And we were joining an established project. So that was nice. We, we joined a friend of mine from university days, actually, who in the end spent about 25 years in China. Mm -hmm. But she was very experienced. Uh, she was excellent in the language. And the team she was a part of looked after us very well. I would say our, our landing in China and our orientation went very well because it, it, we joined an experienced worker there who was part of an organized team. And, yeah, they, they looked after us very well. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If I can just backtrack a little bit to, to just how we got to China and actually committed to that one-year commitment. Mm -hmm. um, so I, we actually made a short-term trip to China in 2002, mm -hmm. Central China. Yeah. And um, when we landed there, it was really a complete culture shock for us. It, it was a huge city, um, quite very, very cold at the time and also heavy, uh, heavily polluted. <laughs> so for us coming from sunny South Africa and very, very you know, scenic and, and yes, outdoors yes. lifestyle, it, it, was, it was okay to consider visiting there short-term but in the back of our minds, we were actually considering moving there. And, and so just that thought of actually, you know, actually being based in a city like that, you know, middle of China, an industrial city, and possibly, you know, raising one's, one's kid, kids in a city like that, I think was, was a very, um, it, 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 it was very challenging for us to really consider that, you know. But um, God then spoke to me quite clearly around that time and said that if you're willing to go, then he will send us. Mm -hmm. And um, I felt that was, for me, it was a very key thing because it's the voice of the Lord. There's all these other feelings and emotions and, and thoughts about it. But when the Lord speaks clearly into your heart, I think that's, that's what really sits there. And so that was nearly 20 years ago, God said those words. And um, I never felt pushed by him or like I had to go or I was disobeying if I didn't go. But it was more that, if you if you're willing to actually say yes to this calling, then he would send us. You know, an invitation. Felt, yeah, it was an invitation, <laughs> yes. and it was and it was a free invitation to choose either way. You know, mm -hmm. and and so I, 
I felt almost to say no at the time because I just wasn't ready for it. And, and that, was, that was 2002. And I just, in my heart, I just felt like it would be too big a thing to commit to at that stage. But by 2006, we were ready to go. And mm. our pastor then asked us and asked us to just commit for one year. Mm. And, and I think that that was also God's grace to just kind of break it into, you know, sizable chunks for us that I was willing to say, okay, yes, I'm, I'm willing to take that baby step, step mm. and just and commit for one year to go. So did you start learning the language or did you, what were you doing on that one year? It was teaching? We were teaching, and then as as Jean said, we were also involved with the with the project with the underground church, and so it was an existing project that had been running for many years, and we really came alongside to give the uh, trainers a bit of a break, and to give us a chance to really be exposed to the underground church and doing some training in that. Mm-hmm. So so we were teaching at the university there, and we had two kids at the time, and then involved with this training with the underground church. So. It was a very structured setup and it was an existing project and um, an established team as well. Mm-hmm. So we, we felt like, it, as Jean said, it was a soft landing for us yeah. to, to really move into an existing community yeah. that really nurtured us and made it easy for us to fit in there. Um, yeah. And they did, they did provide training. It wasn't a, a very like, structured um, training, but... It was almost like through community we would meet together weekly and mm. and, and have discipleship, have studies on um, culture or um, challenges that we're having and that type of thing. Mm. So very, very mm. good. Yeah. The, the, interesting thing, the interesting thing is that during that first year, uh, Grant felt a desire to study the Chinese language beginning in him. And so then at the end of that year, he said, oh, he feels we should go back again and studied Chinese. Mm-hmm. So that's what both led into our... Sorry? You both did that? Yeah, uh, no, it was, it was more me studying because Jean was actually pregnant with number three at the time. So, so we, actually, we actually signed myself up to be studying. And, and then Jean, the original plan was that I was going to study for one year and Jean was going to study for the next year. And then I would look after the kids while Jean was studying. But in the, towards the end of that first year of language study, Jean fell pregnant with the twins. And so, so she, she did sign up for language study for the second year, but she stopped off for a few months because she it just wasn't going in and she was battling with three kids and being pregnant with twins at the time. Right. So, um, yeah, and then, I mean, my, my, my understanding is that you also homeschooled the kids. Is that right? Is that, or was yes. that from the beginning? Yeah, what we did when we had small kids there was we wanted them to also get to know Chinese. So we would put them in Chinese school for a few hours each morning so that they could also integrate into China. But then in the afternoons, I would homeschool them so that they could also obviously get established in English and in their own um, subjects for, you know, for, yeah. So, So they were doing half a day at Chinese school, half a day in the afternoon with me homeschooling. And that was how the, did that work for them? It worked very well. Yes, they even to this day. David and Catherine have amazing Chinese. Um, their their accent is very natural. Yeah, because they were little when they learnt it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. that's excellent. But you are also a music teacher. So, well, fast forward because we will come back in the story. But you also taught English. Uh, sorry, taught music in a, an international school while Grant taught. English to the in a Chinese university is that right? Yes, yes. 
Yes, and also I also have done some training in the house church with worshippers and musicians. So to try and you know put put some skills in there, some instrumental skills and worship skills. Right. So that being a music teacher has come very much in handy in China. Yeah, and um, yeah, but I, w- I would say that the season that I had at the international school teaching music was an amazing highlight for me of that time. And it was lovely because all five of our children were also attending the school where I taught. Mm-hmm. So I taught four out of five of them myself. They were in my class. Uh, my, my teenage daughter signed up for my course, which was a great honor for me because it was an elective that she chose to do music with mom. So that was nice. A bunch of her and her friends. And uh, yeah, I had a really fun time in the international school for an 18 month period teaching music there and teaching just because music is a subject which brings different cultures together. So I loved teaching songs in different languages, um, you know, Brazilian or Hebrew or Chinese or Japanese. We could just uh, develop an appreciation for the different the cultural diversity in the international school through learning songs from the different countries. Maybe. I loved doing that, yes. and there were a few concerts that I was able to organize and put on, and it was just so much fun. Yeah, I, I was really sad when that job came to an end, but because things were getting stricter in the country, they were reluctant to have staff who had any connection to missions in their school. Mm-hmm. So they had to lay me off after eighteen months. Yeah, because of the restrictions. Okay, so meantime, um, Grant, you, you were teaching English on the campus. So tell us how that was. I mean, was it, would you recommend it as a way of um, being in any country, um, China or any, anywhere else? I'd highly recommend teaching English in China. Um, I really enjoyed it. I think it just suited my personality where, where there's really, most of it is about connecting with the students, mm-hmm. building a level of trust and creating an atmosphere where they feel safe. Yes. So, because I think particularly in Asia and in China, this thing of learning a second language and, and really um, kind of speaking out takes a lot of um, vulnerability yeah, and, and it takes courage to really speak out and to learn another language. Mm-hmm. So, um, I, think, I think for me it was really building connection and relationship with the students mm-hmm. and then creating an atmosphere where they can feel safe to really step out take a risk mm. and, and actually just, you know, learn to actually ask questions and have discussions in class and that. Um, I also felt like God just used that opportunity for me to learn about the Chinese culture. So we would start so often choose topics that were relevant to them and would help me understand more of their culture. And my, my objective always was for me to speak less and for them to speak more mm. because it was, it was communication English yeah, it was about oral. them them actually speaking out and learning to actually um, speak a new language. Mm-hmm. So, I would, so I would try and choose topics that would stir interest and, and make them very, like want to actually speak out. Um, and, and then usually I, for myself, just listening quite a lot, I would find out a lot about how the Chinese culture thought and how the, the youth would think and um, relate and that type of thing. So. Um, yeah, it, it was a very enriching time for me personally. Yes, I think also um, God really used it to just build a heart in me for, for that particular generation in China mm-hmm. and to realize that they really are an unreached people group, really. They're a generation that have grown up, even though they, they're, they're a huge part of the Chinese culture, but I mean, it's a huge, it's a huge um, age group within the Chinese culture. 
but most of them have never really heard about Jesus. Mm. Um, they've, they've perhaps heard his name or heard of something called Christianity, but That's most of them have, have very, the government's been very good at, at keeping the gospel from them and this belief from them completely. So just, so just I'm slowly realizing that many of them just knew nothing about there even being a God, you know, a creator God. And um, I think for me, it was really God, God really put that in my heart, just a, a real love and compassion for them. Mm. That's yeah. Well, I mean, learning, learning a new culture is one part of it. But when you're with an organization, organizations also have cultures and in the middle of that you migrated to our group so i'm just wondering how that was for you getting used to another way another organization's way of doing things um yeah, we, we enjoyed that season when we joined your group uh when we went central china um i think we the group we had been with had been a good experience for the five years or so that we were with them and we had learned a lot from them but God also had us on a journey, Grant and I on a journey, and there were other things happening in our lives, and we just felt that it was time to branch out from that first organization we were part of. Mm -hmm. uh, and we have remained friends with the leaders of that other group, so we're still friends to this day. Uh, but um, we just were needing a, a different type of a support for while we were in China, and your group really offered that to us. And I just remember enjoying the aspect of uh, that that your organization was more about, you know, what has God put on your heart to do? Uh, you must go for it and do it and we will back you uh, as opposed to the other model of we have this vision and we need you to follow this vision, you know, and set your goals around our vision mm -hmm. and let's run together with our, you know, with the vision that they were putting yeah. forward. So it was, it was a good shift for us from, you know, the early days in, in China when we needed that support and, and help to now we were a bit more mature and a bit clearer about what God had specifically called us to look, go towards. And, and then your organization was a good fit for that different season we found ourselves in. Right. Yeah, so it's yeah. no right or wrong in that sense, but just, you no, know, no right different organizations, no. different cultures, different purposes. So that's good. Yes, different, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah I, think, I think that, that just as Jean was, was saying, I think that we, for us, particularly in that time, God was very clearly speaking to us and giving us a particular vision to run with mm -hmm. and we just appreciated the, the organization's focus which for both you and Russ asking us and saying what is your vision what is the vision that God's given you and how can we best support that right. and for us that that meant a lot because God was putting something in our house but at the same time we needed community around us and we needed support mm. to achieve that vision. Mm. Mm. So in the middle of that um, I mean, we were, we were stepping away in leadership at the time so that our organization was going through a shift as well. But um, in the middle of that, you felt that you needed time to refresh and, um, and go probably deeper in what, what you felt God was saying. So you then took a, a year and went as a family to um, Bethel Church in Redding, California. Can you talk, tell us about that and what the impact was on you? Briefly. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah I think... Um, so, so it actually started, so 2012, we were just really needing some time out from China and, and time to just reflect and to, refresh. And, to get, and to get refreshed and to even get some healing and wholeness on that. Vision. And so, so somebody, somebody actually asked us, a friend of ours asked us, if you could dream 
for this next season? What what would be the thing that you'd love to be doing for a year? You know, mm-hmm. and I say, well, if I could dream, I would I would love to just go to a place like Bethel Church for a year and just receive. Mm-hmm. And and she said she said to me, well, why don't you why don't you try? Why don't you go for it? You know, because God's put it in your heart, and it's and it's very well probably from Him. You know, uh, so we so we. And I felt God saying to me, because I, I just kind of laughed it off. I just thought it was impossible. But we began to pray about it. And I, I felt God saying, why don't you just try? Why don't you just apply? You know? And so, so we did apply and we were accepted. And we eventually got all the way to, to Reading, California, and spent a year there studying at the Bible School, the Supernatural School of Ministry. And it was a, it was a very a refreshing time for us as a family as a whole. So it wasn't just about me, because I went to the school, but really as a family, we, we had such a wonderful time there being in a different culture, but also just being in that church atmosphere that is very positive. Um, it's about really um, God's kingdom coming to earth. And so they really try and do that in everything that they do, whether it's the youth group, the Sunday meeting, the school that they run there and so on. But it's a very positive, refreshing, affirmative environment. And um, it just so happened that, that that was actually our seventh year on, in the field. Um, so we had already been in China for six years and we, we just realized that God was really giving us a sabbatical year mm-hmm. to get refreshed and to get retooled and re-envisioned for the next season. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, in retrospect, going back into China, I realized that it wasn't just about getting refreshed, but it was also about God giving us tools for ministry mm-hmm. and, and um, tools and even mindsets so that when we go back into China, we're really not just surviving, but thriving. Right. And I feel like that's, that's a big focus with Bill Johnson and the teaching there is that God really wants you to prosper because it's out of that overflow that we've got something to give. Mm-hmm. And if, if we're just surviving in the nations or on the coalface of, of missions, then, then we, we don't always have much to give other people. We're just, we're just surviving with the little we have and for our family. But, but God wants to bless us so much emotionally, mentally, spiritually in every which way so that we got more than enough for ourselves for our family and for the nations right. so yeah so it's, so so it was a real paradigm shift for us and and in a practical way god really gave us tools that we could then begin to use in china and we did find that our second season there was much more of a, a healthier time for us mm-hmm. and and a much more fruitful time at the same time right so, I mean, I don't know what you want to say about that, you know, what you were doing this, in that season. Uh, <clears throat> is it possible to say much or is it um, better to just leave that for now? <laughs> yeah, we, we can just talk generally, yeah. So I, um, there, were, there were a couple of areas that, that God really sort of opening up for us in China. So um, one of the areas that, that opened up was for us to start a supernatural school of ministry in China. And we then connected with other um, Bethel graduates, alumni, and we formed a team together with them. And we began to pray and ask God together, what, what does he want us to do? And the thing that became clear for us as a team was that we should, what we've received from Bethel in California, God wants to release into China. And mm-hmm. that we would make it accessible and affordable for other people to really um, have access to what we had received. So the focus wasn't to duplicate exactly what was happening in, at, at Bethel, but to really 
and what we had received freely from God that we could pass it on and to create a school where that could happen. Um, so we've been running that, that school now, it's the third year now, um, and we're looking at moving it onto an online platform where we can make it more accessible across China and even to anybody in the world that is Chinese speaking. Brilliant. So it's quite an exciting um, ministry that we, we're seeing happening. And it's not just a bunch of foreigners doing it in China, but it's really cross-cultural. We've got people from Taiwan, uh, from mainland China, um, and, and different nationalities all coming together to work on this project. Mm. Yeah. And, I mean, China has a, a rich culture or, or history of, of, or the Chinese church does, of um, revival. So, I mean, this is really bringing back the, just the, the freshness of, of the Holy Spirit's um, life in us, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, we're really wanting to just really build on what the Holy Spirit's doing there in China. You know, he, he's the one that began this revival work in there. And so somebody once said, you know, look and see what God is doing and join him in that, you know. <laughs> and so we're not wanting to replace what God's, what he's already doing or start something different, but, but he's really, um, there's a really like a river of revival flowing through the nation. Mm. And, it's, and it's blessing China. You know, China is a blessed nation because of that. And they're, they're being a blessing to the nations, the Chinese churches. So, so for us, it was really asking God, Lord, how can we come alongside what you are doing and what have you given us already that we can then pass on to the, to the Chinese church? Because it is such a beautiful church. We don't want to be coming with our own ideas of what, how we think we should change the church there in China. And so we felt like God was saying he's, he's given us these gifts, these teachings and so on, that we can really complement what he's already doing. And to be very sensitive in doing that, that we don't, we don't just um, do it in a kind of, um, just that we're very sensitive to the Chinese culture as we do that and to the Chinese church. Mm. I'd just like to add something along those lines. It was amazing that uh, when we started the school, uh, we discovered by accident that in the very same area where we did it, a previous worker had started a school um, and, and there'd been an outpouring of the spirit amongst orphans. And we discovered that we were actually now starting our school exactly 70 years after this gentleman had started his training school in the same town, in the same area. And we were like, oh, Lord, that's amazing. Only you could have orchestrated that because mm. we didn't do it on purpose. But we discovered almost to the day. In fact, the day we put on the calendar was the 70-year anniversary day. We, we started that same week because we hit some problems at the last minute and couldn't start the exact same day. But we just felt a word in the spirit was that God was saying he's reopening those wells yeah. of revival. Mm. And he's using now local folks because we, we have two local ladies on our team. And it was like they were, the, you know, they were the tools he was using now to reopen those old wells of revival in that area that had been open in previous years mm. and then maybe had got a little bit clogged up and dusty and whatever and got so on. But isn't that amazing that God led us to, to start that school in the very same area with a similar focus um, and that there'd been like a 70 year gap from when it had been shut down previously. And we, we've actually heard stories of that particular school that was started as Jean was speaking about 70 years ago of just amazing revivals happening in that training center mm -hmm. that then impacted through this town and even surrounding areas were, were very, very impacted by it. Mm -hmm. um, 
actually whole whole communities and unreached people groups really impacted by this Bible school as there was a revival that happened and then it spread out into the surrounding areas. So we really feel like we're almost jumping on the shoulders of this school mm-hmm. and and what continuing you, what God's wanting to do in this area. That's yeah. amazing. Wonderful. Um, right, but you're not in China now. So uh, you, COVID-19 happened, um, but even before that, you were thinking really the time was coming where, for your kids' sake, you probably needed to have a season back home in South Africa. Uh, so yeah. tell us what happened earlier in the year and how you got there. Yeah. Um, maybe we should first say that we had a four-year season out of China. So uh, between our, our first season in central China and then our, our second season in southwest, there was a four-year period of being out of the field, uh, one year of that in, in California. So then there was three years in South Africa in two towns for a year and a half each, each, each time. So a lot of moving around still. Mm. But... Um, so actually when, you know, we were feeling to go back to China, I was a little reluctant because I just, we'd had so much moving around already with all of our five kids. And I was thinking, yo, do we really want to do this again? Um, and especially seeing as our two eldest were, well, the eldest was a teenager. The second was about to become a teenager. And when you're moving with teenagers, you always consider it very seriously. It's not a, a light thing to move a teenager. And um, so I was just feeling, oh, do we really want to do this again? <laughs> and, uh, and then felt like, okay, well, we'll do it then, but we shouldn't move them again. You know, we should hope then that we move to China and then they can at least both graduate from high school before we come back to South Africa. But yeah, it hasn't turned out that way because our, our second born is now, he was about 16 when we had to leave China. So in many ways, it's not been ideal at all. It's been pretty messy and, and hard. But, um, you know, God is using all of these, these circumstances and situations to, to work in our hearts and to work in our son's heart. And um, I think, uh, yeah, the story of missions, you'll know, is never very cut and dried. Yeah. It's often a lot messier than we, we hoped it would be. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so uh, we, we, we moved back to, to a different part of China when, in 2016. And um, now taking older kids with us. And part of that process was also asking our older kids, are you willing to go back? Do you want to go back? We felt we should include them in the decision and not just go uh, because they were, they were older. And both of them said, yes, we are willing to go back. Right. So, so that, was, that was good. But then when we got there, um, I remember a few months into it, our eldest was, mom, this is so hard. I didn't think it was going to be so hard, you know, and she was crying. And then we were, oh boy, what have we done? But over the months, God slowly helped us to take root and to, to become fruitful and established there. Yeah. Yeah, I think, I think just with, with your question that, um, you know, going back for the sake of our kids, I think it was, it's connected to the fact that we wanted to be there for them to actually graduate and, and even our heart is to be there long term. But under the current um, environment in China and the fact that um, there, there really has been an increase in persecution, both in the Chinese church and for the missionaries working there, it really became an environment for us as a family and for our kids that became more and more difficult to even minister in without putting the Chinese church at jeopardy um, and even our family, you know. Mm-hmm. So um, as, well as, as well as for the other missionary community there, it, 
it became clear that it, that a lot of people had to leave the country. Um, it became quite an unstable environment for them. Mm -hmm. you know? mm -hmm. So, so it really made us think then twice and, and to really ask, well, is, is this a good place for them going ahead? Um, mm -hmm. And then to reassess and, and, and to see, perhaps we need to see them back with our kids in South Africa. Right. Okay, but COVID kind of brought it a bit quicker and closer than, than you originally planned. So I gather your, that um, your eldest wasn't able to do her graduation and, and even that was, um, so there's always loss. I think this is another theme that we have to come to terms with, that um, often for ourselves and our kids, there, are, there is loss involved. And yes. you know, how we learn to handle that, how we come to terms with it is actually very important. Yeah. Yes, yes, it is. It's interesting because they are the contrasts of the losses and the gains. And the gains. <laughs> so our lives are incredibly enriched through embracing another culture and living in another place. And there's such an enrichment that happens. I think some of it we don't realize, but it is there. Some of it we realize. But then there's, there are more losses um, as well. And some of the losses we also don't realize. Um, for Grant and I, it just so happened that, that both of our mothers at different times passed away for the seasons that we've been in China. And when we went to China, we didn't think that, oh, part of it will be, you know, we'll come back to South Africa and there'll be no, no mothers around and no grandmothers around. So there are these losses that come in. Yeah. Some of them you realize, some of them you don't realize. But, and then there's also the gains, the, the ways your life is enriched. And, and when we look at our children now, we actually take courage and take hope because we can see each of them have become, are becoming such amazing individuals in how their lives have been shaped and molded by, yeah. by this, um, what we've done with as a family. Mm. And they really do seem to us, I suppose we're biased, but they seem to stand out from other kids. Yeah. <laughs> they just have so much, more, so much more substance to them. They seem mm. to have more substance to them. Maybe that's the way to put it. And I don't know how else to describe it, but there's just more to them. Yeah. <laughs> but some of it is hard won. <laughs> you know, some of it's won through pain. Yeah. <laughs> Um, fantastic. Thank you so much for sharing. Just quickly then, so what are your aspirations and your hopes for the coming seasons um, when you're back there for, your, for yourselves, for your kids, for your ministry? If, just briefly, yeah. if you address that. Sure, sure. I think um, one of the big things that God did in these last few months was to, while we're still in China, was to just confirm to us that he really has called us to China as a long-term calling. And that it's not something that when we go back to South Africa needs to change and focus on something else. And it's almost as if he sealed it together and said, I've called you to this nation. And that same calling that I was telling you about, you know, all those years ago, 18 years ago, right. it's still, if you go, he will send you. And, mm -hmm. and so he didn't, he hasn't just been saying to us, are you willing to keep on focusing on China? But he's been giving us his heart at the same time for mm -hmm. this nation. So, We've really been feeling such a, like a heart, God shared his heart with us more and more. Mm. Um, so we, we feel like because of that, he's really saying to us, um, keep China the main thing. You know, keep on focusing on that because there's a season back in South Africa for you. Um, that's a very important season for us as a family, but mm. also for the ministry. Mm. And if you look at other great missionaries like Hudson Taylor and others, they had seasons back that were very, very fruitful. 
mm. and it enabled their whole ministry to really catapult ahead. So mm. in St. Hudson Taylor's lifetime, he was able to see over a thousand missionaries on the field while he was still alive. But that wouldn't have happened if he had been in China for his whole life. He had seasons back where he was consolidating, recruiting others and envisioning. Perspective. Great. Church. Yeah, so we, we have a very similar heart that we can really kind of share what God's done in our lives with, with the church in the West and, and also inspire others to go, mm. um, hopefully to China, but even mm. just to the unreached areas and to the nations of the world that mm. need the gospel. Um, then we continue to work remotely with the school in China and with our team in China. Um, and so there's a lot of momentum that's been built and we don't, we don't want to lose that momentum. Um, and fortunately with technology, we can really be, stay very connected with our Chinese team and with our community around the world. That's yeah. great. Wonderful. Thank you so much for sharing. Is there something else you wanted to say, Jean? Um, no, it's fine. I think Grant said it very well there. So yeah, it's just a similar heart in we feel such a passion and you know to to go and to see others go that we are very excited to help others to be able to go, and we just feel that for many folks they might feel a calling at some stage or feel something in their heart at some stage, but it seems that for many folks they never get to go. Mm. That somehow there's so many obstacles that come up and distractions that come up that they. They can live and die with just that feeling and sense. And we're hoping that us being here now in South Africa, we're going to be able to help other folks around us to put wheels onto that vision and to really go into China and to the nations. Yeah. I think, I think the last thing, like what goes on in our hearts is that it's a, it's a heart change. So we're not necessarily, you know, saying all these, these words about the nations and that, that where, um, where our heart isn't necessarily... Mm -hmm. Um, well, how can I put it? It's, it's like God's moved our hearts so that we're not just saying words, but we're really imparting our hearts to yes. other people. Yeah. You know? mm -hmm. People can see that we were just ordinary people, um, yeah. believers here back in South Africa that planned to be teachers and businessmen in our own country, but, but God really took hold of us. Mm. Um, and it was a journey of getting us to this point now, 20 years later, more or less, mm. where we, he's really changed our hearts so that we want, to, we want to give the rest of our lives to the nations, you know, and particularly to China. Um, if he said to us tomorrow, go back, we would. We would. It, would we be, would. <laughs> it wouldn't be like, a, it wouldn't be a sacrifice to go. We'd actually want to go back, you know. So we, we actually choose in the comforts of this world or the, having our own cars and houses and everything else. For us, that's, that's a very inferior inheritance compared to what he's given us in the nations. Um, and so... We don't just want to be kind of saying a whole lot of words about, you know, all the need in the nations and the unreached and um, go where it isn't and all those kind of cliche words. But we're really trusting God that we can, people can come into our lives and hang around with us and, and see that it really was a sovereign work of God and that yeah. if they're willing as well and put up their hands, that yeah. God can do the same thing and, and really give them an, an eternal inheritance that um, far, far outweighs anything that that we can get in this world, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. That's a great way to end. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you, Christine. Thank have you. We, have we exceeded the time limit? Or is it well, it <laughs> so thank you very much for listening. I pray that um, this will have been a blessing to you as it has been to me. They've covered in a huge amount of ground in what they've shared. Um, but do um, 
go to the to the website and listen to the other interviews and share them um, and look at, at Facebook, sign up for the updates. And thank you very much. See you next time. Bye-bye. God bless. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Field Partner. You can watch or listen to more interviews by subscribing to this channel, our YouTube channel, or our Facebook page. For free cross-cultural mission courses, blogs, sermons, and other resources, visit our website, fieldpartner.org.